This is Safe Zone, the podcast by OHS Canada, the national occupational health and safety magazine published by Annex Business Media. You've tuned in to hear conversations with Canadian safety professionals on the latest in OHS trends and research. episode is brought to you by Hoisting Limited, safely delivering full-service overhead cranes and material handling solutions with expertise, professionalism, and dedication to exceeding industry standards. For more information, visit hoistingltd.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Safe Zone podcast. I'm your host, Marcel Vanderweer, the editor of OHS Canada. Today, I'd like to welcome back our friends from Hoisting Limited in Edmonton. I'm joined virtually by service manager Kevin Toms and senior inspector Chris Shakeshaft. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Today we'll be discussing health and safety when it comes to overhead cranes, specifically in terms of service, inspection processes, and standards. During this conversation, we'll touch on provincial and national standards providing guidance in the industry as well as the importance of logbooks and record keeping in the maintenance and inspection process. And as we get ready to turn the page on 2021, we'll also discuss what's coming next in the overhead cranes industry. So once again, welcome Kevin and Chris. Why don't we dive in and start unpacking some of these topics? Kevin, Chris, let's start off with standards. Um, What are some of the better known codes and standards in the overhead crane business? Kevin here. Two that really generally apply are OH&S, depending on the provincial legislation, and most provinces generally go right back to CSA standard B167 relating to overhead cranes specifically. As far as the maintenance and, and inspection process go, when we get into the design and manufacturing, that's more along the lines of CMAA 70 and 74, but that's a later discussion. Chris, anything to add, or is that pretty straightforward? No, that's pretty straightforward as far as it goes. That's the legislation we have to deal with when we're looking at taking care of the cranes and trying to get the customers up to follow the applicable codes. Is that Alberta-specific, Kevin or Chris, or is that something that applies across the country? Uh, Kevin speaking. In in Alberta, we follow OH&S Part 6. British Columbia is WorkSafe BC. And then the Western provinces, they each have their provincial jurisdiction. But generally, for the most part in the Western provinces I can speak to, they all refer right back to CSA as the, the basic rule to follow. Beyond the legislative requirements, uh, what should an overhead crane client expect during an inspection? Uh, Chris here. Um, So when I come into a site, I'm going to check the logbooks, expecting to see proof of load tests and engineering in the logbooks. And I'm going to want to see, as per code, the work that's been done on the cranes and any modification that's been done before I even start on an inspection. And then we go through and do a visual and mechanical inspection of the equipment for any defects and any safety issues. To add to that, we also ask for the, in the logbook, it's supposed to be a copy of the original equipment manual with its inspection criteria and maintenance standards to follow. And those can vary wildly from design crane to different design crane, even from manufacturers. 
OEM is precedent, it's first according to OHNS, and then CSA is the second standard. You must follow the equipment manual first. They designed it, they know what they're talking about. Excellent. For someone newer to the industry, are inspections scheduled or how often do they occur? Uh, Chris here. So for the most part, most cranes are minimum of once a year for their inspection. They have to be inspected every year by a qualified person. They also have a daily inspection that they have to be done. But depending on the usage and the duties of the, the hoist, they can be in, inspected three months. Yeah, every three months, sometimes monthly. Yeah, depending if it's really extreme duty. I've got my automotive ticket as well as a journeyman, and I like to switch to vehicles because everybody understands their vehicles. Similar to a vehicle, the more you drive it, the more you need to maintain it, the more often you have to change oil in your car. Crane inspections are along those lines. The more you use it, the higher amount of lifts, higher capacity lifts, more times per day, more shifts require more frequent inspection and maintenance intervals. Yeah, fair enough. Kevin and Chris, how does an owner prove their maintenance and ownership records? Is there, there a process to that? Yes, the, uh, the logbook is exactly how they prove it. And the, uh, the legislation actually states that the owner is responsible for the record keeping and maintenance of the equipment for the life of that piece of equipment, not for the month or the year. So they can either do it via paper, logbook, call it old school filing system. But a lot of people now are switching to electronic online. It's easier data storage, it's easier to find. And in a lot of cases, it doesn't disappear with age as people are rifling through the logbook. Electronic seems to be the way most people are going now. To reiterate, potentially, What is required for logbooks and maintenance records to prove due diligence if you're a supervisor or owner of the crane? The original installation documentation, any items fixed or repaired or inspected during the life of the equipment. Also, any modifications done to the equipment. Guys, tell me, like, are there common issues that are often found in these inspections or does it vary from uh, crane to crane? Well, It's Chris here. One of the biggest things is when we walk into a lot of these places, even in this day and age, they're incomplete logbooks. So either the customer is not keeping a good logbook or the technicians before aren't filling out the logbooks or they just don't have a logbook. So that's one of the biggest things we find is that that record keeping isn't being followed up on the way it should and maybe Once it goes more electronic, it'll get better that way. But there's a lot of customers, we can't even sign their logbook because it doesn't exist. So that's the biggest one that we hit, logbooks. In general, when we go to perform these crane inspections, I would suggest probably between 40 and 60%, and I'm using that number safely, are deficient in documentation. It's not even the crane that has an issue. It's the documents and the paperwork backing up that piece of equipment, even so far as saying the crane was originally engineered. A lot of times the engineering is not even in the logbook. It just simply has a, a capacity stamped on the bridge 
And people take it for granted that because it says eight tons, it's good to lift eight tons. Nobody can prove it was even tested or properly installed. We've talked a lot about logbooks, record keeping. If you were to share, say, a top three tips for, for a crane owner to, to kind of conduct before an inspection, what would they be? Chris, your uh, step number one, check their logbook and make sure everything's in the logbook. But they have engineering, they have proof of load tests, and they have a record of the work that's been done on it. Because right there, that's all those things become a fail on the crane that they have to fix and they can be shut down for not having that stuff in place because they can't prove the equipment's safe to use. Other than that, for the most part, just that the stuff they can do that they keep their equipment in as good a condition as possible. Another one that they can do as an owner is they can either in-house or externally make sure they train their operators. Because with a little bit of knowledge and training, the operators are able to identify either problems or issues with the crane before they call us. They use it every day. They may notice something. And that'll also help their operators ask the questions of, do we have engineering for this before the inspector shows up? Is there a daily thing I have to do on this hoist prior to use so I can use it as my daily inspection? let alone the annual or quarterly inspection that's required by law. The daily criteria is going to also help maintain that equipment just at the operator end. No different than same thing back to vehicles. Check the oil in your car, make sure there's some on the dipstick. It can be as simple as that. Noises, funny sounds, all that's going to protect the operator ultimately and in the end the owner of the equipment. So over and above the the paperwork, um, you mentioned potentially uh, checking fluids. Can uh, can you summarize what an, uh, a general inspection would look like? Is that is that essentially it? Are you meaning by the customer or by us? By you, sorry. By us, we're going to check wire ropes. We're going to check fluid levels. We're going to check brake gaps. And if there's issues with air gaps in the brakes, we're going to pull it apart, check the pads. We're going to check that limit switches are working properly pendants in good shape, that the legends on everything are there. So when a person pushes a button, they know what direction the crane's going to go. All these things, making sure that the crane's as safe as possible to use. We do some of the maintenance stuff as well as in your contactors have got black all over them from the points inside the contactors wearing out. Recommend that they should change stuff like that so they don't have breakdowns. Mm -hmm. Kevin, again, to add to that, Sorry. We also look for visual inspection of the structure while we're there for cracks or, you know, broken welds, missing bolts, loose bolts, electrical wires for cracks and brittle jackets. It's basically, it's virtually an overall electro, we call it an electromechanical inspection. Some points are vis visual and a lot are measurements and tightening of screws and double checking for loose connections. Okay, so roughly how much time would you guys be spending with, with the crane? Generally, if it's a simple crane, easy access, anywhere from three to five hours, depending on length of the runway, how many columns, and the owner's manual. Some of them are very simple, and some of them can be really in-depth as to what they want checked 
mm-hmm. annually or quarterly. So it, it can vary wildly, again, depending on the manufacturer. Okay, guys, I feel like you've given a good sense of the the process. Uh, I want to turn to kind of a forward-looking um, thought here uh, to end the conversation, but, you know, it's hard to believe, but we're getting close to another new year already. Kevin and Chris, when you look into the crystal ball, what do you see going forward in the overhead crane industry? Uh, Kevin here. My first thing is when I look forward and I look ultim- ultimately back at the same time, to the day that I was on the tools and limited access to information and logbooks and, you know, lack of the electronic era, let's say, I find it super satisfying that a, a person or a technician can go online right now, find owner's manuals, assist the client at the day of the inspection and pull up some of these pieces of equipment off company websites to get the proper information rather than taking a wild stab at it as a guess. The access to information and data to help do a better proper inspection is um, is ultimately at your fingertips right now where it never used to be 30 years ago. Yeah, so the, the power of technology uh, there that you're referencing. What about you, Chris, any thoughts? That's the same idea. Like we have, we tell our customers that they're supposed to have OEM manuals in their logbook but now that was because in the past when we needed break information or something that's where we would go to find it now we can find it online it's almost making their part a little simpler even though the legislation hasn't changed we can find a lot of that stuff and you know when i started in the industry and i'm sure kevin can say the same we pretty much had an upper limit on a crane and that was about it you were lucky to have any other safety devices on a crane at all and now there, there are limits for everything. They, they have load limit for how much they can pick up for their travel distance, everything. And that part of the technology is just going to keep growing where the operator isn't going to have to be as much on the ball. The, uh, the crane's going to do a lot of this stuff for them. Mm-hmm. We're already seeing that in a lot of cases. So they're going to become more modernized than they are now already. There's already an upwards trend going forward that cranes are being built with onboard diagnostics and onboard computer modems for wireless interface to Bluetooth to there's some equipment where you can actually remote monitor it hundreds of miles away and go into the fault history of that crane without even being on site. And that's that's coming. There's companies in Alberta, some of the oil field companies I know of that are doing all these upgrades to make most of their equipment remote monitor ability, even retrofitting old cranes with new technology. Yeah, and from from what you've shared, it sounds uh, as if safer days are ahead as well as a result. So that's excellent to hear. Takes the human error out out of the cranes a little bit more than before. So going ahead, hopefully the equipment is safer and you know as we continue on and get more we educate people on a full-time basis on what they need to have so we can pass them when we go to inspect their cranes and as that goes forward it makes our jobs easier too as we're not trying to sit down and educate a customer in the middle of the job Mm -hmm. so going forward it should be better for the customer the tech and the end user as far as the guys on the floor. 
from where I sit with safety and, and going forward, again, back in the day, we'd sit down and we'd take a stab at what we figured a piece would weigh and you'd push the crane hoist button. And if it lifted it, it must be safe. Most of that equipment was never equipped with an overload and operators weren't even aware of the weights they were picking up. Most of the equipment, and I'm not saying all of it, but it's heading that way, that most of the equipment now won't allow you to do that. But that wasn't the case 20, 30 years ago. The statement of, well, that crane used to always lift that before, why won't the new one? <laughs> well, the new one's got a load limiter on it that won't allow you to overlift before it was left to human error. The, the power of technology, it's, it's nice to see uh, how it looks in, uh, on the shop floor. All right, Kevin and Chris, really appreciate you both sharing your expertise today. From all of us at OHS Canada, all the best and take care. Take care too. Thanks very much for your time. This episode is brought to you by Hoisting Limited, safely delivering full-service overhead cranes and material handling solutions with expertise, professionalism, and dedication to exceeding industry standards. For more information, visit hoistingltd.com. Thank you for tuning into Safe Zone, the podcast by OHS Canada. To hear more of our episodes or to find the latest workplace safety headlines from across the country, visit ohscanada.com.